0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. If you will, your Bible should be pre marked in Ezra chapter 7. This is our eighth teaching on this particular subject and our conclusion of this particular series. Yet it will not be the conclusion of us, of God still having us in a time of preparation. So we will flow from here into God, let, allowing God to show us exactly where He's taken us. Out of everything that He's taught us, He's going to come back and He's going to reiterate. A lot of different things that he, we've talked about, but we're going to continue as we conclude this particular series. Just this particular series. This is our concluding lessons on preparing our hearts for the next move of God. And we know here in the book of Ezra that God was planning to restore worship in Jerusalem and the temple. And he chose Ezra to be the one to go back to Jerusalem and to restore the temple as well as worship. So we began in verse chapter 7. No, I'm going to come over here in the other book. In verse 6 it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given and the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And then we go on and we find out why God was able to use Ezra and why he was able to use Ezra because the Bible says in verse 10, For Ezra was prepared, had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments for his heart, but you know what I was just meditating last night, I was up about maybe two or three in the morning, I was just looking at something and and but I, we can I want to just read something to show you the importance now everybody know that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. everyone knows that God what he does for one person he'll do for Another, if you're in right standing with him, like if you're following his word. And I began to just continue to read different things. And I said, oh my God. God said, I'm still in the business of doing things just like this. Look, Follow me on this. Now, because Ezra prepared his heart, because he was do, willing to do what God asked him to do. Now, I'm going to tell you, for, for God to ask you to do something like that, that was a big task to go back because he talked about all of Jerusalem that was a big that was a big task now this is the copy verse 11 now this is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest the scribe even the scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel now this is this is what the king now once the king says it has to be done all because this man was a ready scribe Prepared his heart, and this is what happens when you get that way. See, it'll make you begin to think of the different things that God has asked you to do, and you've put them off, or God told you to do. You did what you wanted to do. You did. Let me show you a man that was right on point with God and the benefits from it. This is, now remember, this is the letter. Artaxerxes, this is, what, what, this is a copy of it. Artaxerxes, King of Kings, unto Ezra the priest. A scribe of the law of God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time, I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and all of the priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with me. I want them all to go with you. For as much as thou art sent of the king and of his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of thy God which is in thine hand, and to carry the silver, listen, he's telling them what to do, and to carry the silver and the gold which the king and, and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem, and all, and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the provinces of Babylon and the free will offering of the people and of the priests offering willingly from the house of their God which is in Jerusalem that thou mayest buy speedily with this money, bullocks, rams, lambs, and their meat offerings, and their drink offerings, and offer them upon the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem. And whatsoever seems right and good to you, and to thy brethren, to do with the rest of the silver and gold, that do it after the will of your God. The vessels also that are given thee for the service of the house of the God, thou deliverest thou before the God of Jerusalem. And whatsoever more shall you be needful, for the house of, your, of thy God which thou hast had occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure's house. I mean, he's giving this man everything. Verse 21. And I, even I are Xerxes the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers which are beyond the rivers, and whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven shall require of you it be done speedily. You do that thing unto a hundred talents of silver, unto a hundred measures of wheat, unto a hundred baths of wine, unto a hundred baths of oil, salts, without prescribing how much? Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? He said, you do it. Don't act like you don't. Because I just gave you a decree. Everybody, everywhere... And he's giving all of this to Ezra. See, see, this is what I keep telling you. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to worry about it. He's going to supply. Because that was a big task. He placed it on the king's heart. See, he didn't place it on any individual. Because you know what? When you're dealing with individuals, you're dealing with their will. And they, "I, I I can't have this. But he put it on the heart of the one that was in charge of it all. And he's putting it down. For Ezra. Because why? He was a ready scribe. And he per- prepared his heart. What verse was I asked? I just got good. He said, Oh, 23. Whatsoever he is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also, we certify you that touching, listen, I'm going to tell you, don't nobody bother them, as touching any of the priests, the Levites, the singers, the porters, the uh the, Nephilim, the ministers of this house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. Don't even let them pay taxes. I want everything done for them. I'm telling the king, I'm telling all because this man was a ready scribe, not that he he didn't come from no big nothing, all because he prepared his heart and did exactly what God said. Mm -mm -mm. 26. Which, Which one? Oh, 25. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, Set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the rivers, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God... The law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be unto death, banishment, or confiscation of goods, or to imprisonment. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy upon me before the king. This is Edwards. Like, Look at what God is doing. Before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. And I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. Listen, you can go on and read. See, that makes you just want to be in God's will. See, what a lot of things that you're trying to get done and trying to figure out how it's done, get in the will of God. God will provide. If you're in that realm where God will provide everything you need in that span of time. See, it was right, right then. Everything. I'm telling you, he put it on the king's heart. And did you notice he kept saying, Thy God. He wasn't saying that he was but he was like, But let me tell you, God has already placed everything you need. Everything. I'm like, just because he was already scribed. But you know who's his great 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 grandfather is, right? Aaron. That's his great great grandfather. I'm like, see, that's why you gotta pass this thing on. This is this is this is way down the line. But if you go back and read, you'll find out. Read and start with the whole chapter. You'll find out that his great great grandfather is Aaron. Been taught from generation to generation. I just threw that in. That was just so good to me. I just woke up and went and took a shower after that. I said, Well, I might as well just stay up. It's just, it's just how wonderful you are, God. How amazing you are. And it's all right here in His Word. Amen. So here we have Ezra, and he's planning to go and restore, and we, 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 we got that. And God wants, but God wants to make sure that we are prepared and we know the preparation we've learned over these several weeks and months that that preparation is the unseen hard work that will always produce seen results and through all of these teachings we must do the hard unseen work to prepare our hearts for the next move of God so we have been challenged about our heart condition these whole series of teachings have been ministering to us about our heart condition because I'm going to tell you right now church if our heart is not right God will not use us we need to deal with that God has been dealing with us about our heart God has said if your heart is not right I won't be able to use you now go with me if you will to Acts chapter 17 Acts chapter 17 We've talked about many things over the past weeks, And this last teaching is going to be a combination of everything that we've learned over the past week. Because see, if God can't change our hearts, our hearts can't be restored. If I don't have a heart to obey, if I don't have a heart to minister, if my heart is not right towards the loss. All these things we will over. If my heart is not right toward my brother, my sister, who needs to be restored, then I wanted you to know we could never be one. We have to free ourselves of everything that will hinder us in that aspect. If we're going to be used by God, we need to put it down right now. This is, let me tell you, this span of time, from the time we started this until now, Everything you needed to put off, everything that you needed to put off is now. Let me tell you, it closes now because we're going on to something else. But remember in that span of time everything you need to get it done now it don't mean that you can't get it done after it's going to be harder but everything you need if you've gotten all of these teachers if you haven't missed any of these teachers and you've got a hold of it and you're studying it at home and you're going over it, and you're looking and, you, and you're dealing with the hard unseen work that's going on in your life you should be right there where God needs you like God I've been dealing with this thing and I need to deal with that if you want to be used. So we have to do all those other things. All the things that, that uh, we talked about, that we can ultimately be... So that we can, the main thing is God said, I want you all to be one. How are you all going to be one if all of this is out of place? All of you, you want, you want this church filled, you want to do this, you want to do that. God said, but how? If your heart is not right. Because what God wants most of all, most of all, what God wants is for us to be one. It's for us to be one. Jesus prayed that we would be one. Notice one thing in the scriptures. Jesus never prayed that we get a house. He never prayed that we get a car. Did you hear me? He, he never prayed that everybody's going to drive a Mercedes. Everybody's going to drive a Benz. Everybody's going everybody's gonna to drive a Lexus. He never prayed that. Jesus didn't pray that we all uh, would have supernatural debt translation. Have you noticed? That's man-made. You can't find it in the scripture. There's no supernatural break, financial breakthrough. The only way you're going to break through is pay your bills. That's the breakthrough. So he didn't pray any of that before he went to the cross. Before he died for our sins, he did pray something, but he didn't pray those things. He did pray for us. He didn't pray for you to get a spouse. He didn't pray that money cometh. But he did pray that we'd all be one that he did pray. So we don't want to go by what the scripture is saying. The scripture says he prayed that we all would be one and we want to be. Amen. Now, and he he said and it's not going to be you're not going to be one by what you drive. I drive this. I drive that. He said, it's not going to be by what you drive or where you live that they know that, they, that people will know that the Father sent me. It's not going to be by that. It's not by the house you live in. It's not how much money you have in your pocket or in your bank that's going to tell the world that I was sent by God. The Son was sent by God. See, we've got to get that out of our heads. The only way that the world is going to know... The Jesus came from the Father. The Father said, Listen, the only way that people are going to know that Jesus came from the Father is that the Father loved him. He loved the Father. He loved us. And he said, Now all of you must love. We all must. We're all going to have to be one in love. So everybody's going to have to love. He said, Now I, my Father's one. And you have to be one with us. All one. And then how do we do that? First, we have to be one with each other. See, our problem is we want to be one with God without being one with each other. And it never it's not going to ever work that way. You're not going to be one if you're not if, if you're not one with one with God if you're not one with each other. Know that. Because what are we trying to do? We're trying to let the world know that the Father sent the Son. He said, don't try to make them know it your way. I'm telling you how they're going to know. They're going to know by the love they see that you all have for one another and how you walk in a oneness. Then they'll know. One of the problems that we have today in the church is we have too much individuality Christianity. That's our problem. That's a big problem. Christianity is not an individual service of God. Did you hear me? I said Christianity is not the individual service of God. Christianity is when I become a member of the body of Christ. Now I'm in Christianity. You cannot please God by yourself. You cannot. I cannot please God by sitting at home or sitting at work in a corner, reading my word, reading a book, or, you know, living on my notes, doing my own thing the way I want to. That's not Christian. That's not being a Christian. I know we think you know be hey, a fool over there. I'm just gonna sit over in my little corner, but I'm gonna tell you that's not gonna be a crit. That's not being a Christian. And you know I know we like to say you have to have your own individual personal relationship with God, and that is true. That is true. But it's not exclusive. That's the difference. It's not an exclusive relationship, even though you have an individual relationship with Him. When I say it's not exclusive, I mean where you only deal with God and don't want to deal with your brother and sister. That's different. That's being exclusive. Well, it's just me and God. You know, everything else, it don't even matter. With You know, hey, whatever, because me and God, no, no, no. Can't be. Not exclusive. God wants us to be one. So what does that mean? Well, not just in with your friends you want to be friends with. Not ones where you only be with your peers. Not being one with just people that you like to be one with. I just like being around them. God has called us to be one with whoever. We have to get our hearts right. That's why all of the other weeks of these teachings are very important. Just because we're on the last, every one of them is very important. Every Everything that I've taught, the last seven teachings that i taught, all of it was positioning us so that we could be one. It was positioning us. It was pushing us here, there, showing us. It was nurturing us and molding us and all to get us to this one place. That we must be one. And we've talked about this over the past. And we've talked about this in teachings. I mean for several years. About being one. Church, we can't be prepared for the next move of God if we are not one. I'm telling you now. If we're not one, I don't care how much we want it. I don't care how much we talk about it. And let me tell you. You, still, you, you nothing's going to happen until we walk as one you can't be prepared for the next move of God in this church you can't be prepared for the next move of God and your neighbor's not prepared they sit next to you whatever God is going to do even if it's in your life is going to require a connection with your brother or sister Because of what he's doing. Because of his next move. Everything is in your life. It still, you still, it still has to be connected. It's going to be connected to your brother and sister. If you're under this covering, God is showing you where it is. See, you, 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 if you're wanting to be in God's will, if you want to do it, you're going to have to do it his way. You're gonna to have to do it his way. So, all of us, if, 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 if it's dependent on where everything going on me is dependent on my neighbor, that means all of us have to be one. I can't be prepared without you. You can't be prepared without me. We gotta be one. I remember when me and my husband used to travel and we'd go somewhere and we'd pack our suitcases. He'd pack some stuff and I'd pack some of his stuff, but he'd pack some stuff that he used. I'd pack stuff that i used, we, but, let me, but ultimately, when we got where we needed to be, the, the, the suitcases, even though we had separate suitcases with different stuff in it, when we got where we needed to be, the suitcases had to become one because we weren't in two different places. We were there. And if something was missing, if something, if I left something at home, or or we left a piece of luggage and said, well, you know, did we bring that? We didn't. All of a sudden, we can't do what we we went there to do because something is missing. It doesn't matter who left it, how it was left, it doesn't, none of that matters. The fact is, what we needed to make us one is no longer here. I can't get dressed and say, oh well, I'm dressed, I'm sorry about you, you're, you you you're there, oh well. No, because why? We're one. So now if your stuff is missing, then I have an issue. We can't do, we can't go where we want it to go, because something is missing. So even though we have individual jackets, when we get where we need to be, we walk as one. Same principle. It's going to affect the whole, it's going to affect both of you or all of us. If you're going to prepare for the next move of God, if you don't have your baggage, we're not going. You got to get on board. You got to get on board. Stop fighting me on this. You got to get on board. See, it doesn't matter if you think you're ready to do what God says. But if your neighbor's not, we're not going. Why? Because we're walking as one. Everybody got to go. It doesn't matter that some may be ready and some not. We all have to go. We all have to be one. Now we have to prepare our hearts to be one. That's what God has been telling us. Prepare your heart. Oneness is a heart condition. Write it down. Oneness is a heart condition. Get your heart right. You can operate as one. It is a heart condition. Now I'm going to give you the answer and then we're going to chase it. To have a heart to be one, I must prepare my heart to accept everyone. That's it. This uh, this is the answer. And then we're going to chase it. To have a heart to be one, I must prepare my heart to accept everyone. In other words... Every person that the Lord adds or sends to this church, have to, we, you have to prepare yourself to accept them. You have to prepare yourself to accept them. So when the Lord adds to the church, my job is to accept who the Lord adds. Because the Lord can add to the church who He wants to. I cannot choose. Not to accept them because, "Mm, No, they're a little bit not like us. No. No. I have to accept them. So, if I have to, I have to be prepared. See, I can't have a vision in my mind who the Lord is going to send. Because then you're going to miss it. See, if you have a vision in your mind of who you think is going to be in this church, you've already missed it. You take that vision out now. Because some are going to come in that's not going to look like, smell like, taste like, look like, act like, come from where you come from. And God said, I'm going to need you to walk as one so you can accept them. Because God is going to send who He wills. Who He wills. And who He wills may not be the type of person you want. But it's his will. So I have to prepare my heart. No matter who the Lord sends to this church. I have to accept them. Now I'm going to give you something to help you out. Write this down and this is where we're going to be in. You can write it once, put a colon, and you don't have to write it no more because we're going to go through. I must accept in my heart. colon. I must accept in my heart, number one, that we are all the same. Accept it right now. Because this is the time that you are able to accept it. I must accept, not in my mind, not in my ears, but in my heart, that we are all the same. And I know why it's quiet, because we haven't accepted that. See, you will not be one with someone that you think is different from you you will not you will think to yourself well you and I are a little different but you know I, you know, you won't become one with them because your thought is I'm different actually your thought is I'm better so, I, so except right now right here right now Why you're in this span of time, except right now that we are not different, we're all the same. We're all the same. Now, as long as you think that someone is different than you are, you will think, I don't have to be one with them. Because they're different from me. As long as you think that. Because, see, you can say, um, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm, you know... And they're this and they're that. And And you can take those differences to make sure that you have a good justifiable reason why you can't become one with them. You will take those reasons. You will look at them and say, this is why. See, they're different from me. See, I'm this way and they're that way. See, I'm justified. Now, I don't need to become one with that because they're so different for me. No, right now, we're all the same. Accept it. This is the time. I have to accept that we're all the same. Now, to help us accept that, we're going to go to the Bible. Because it's easier to argue with me than the Bible. Okay? You're in Acts chapter 17. Paul here is preaching in Athens and we'll begin at verse 22. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For I passed by and held your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. Now, before you judge the people of Athens, before you say, what? Some of us, to some of us, for some of us, he is an unknown God. See, they weren't worshiping God. They weren't worshiping. They they just called him the unknown God. He said, "You're doing that ignorantly." And some of you are the same way. You're worshiping an unknown God, and you need me to declare to you who he is, just like Paul did. See, everybody think coming into coming to the coming in this building. Many of you in here, you worship an unknown God. You come and you do it. You're doing it for show. You're doing it for your parents. You're doing it for that. You are serving an unknown God ignorantly. And you need to be declared who He is. Because you're not in a safe way. So let's look at who God is. Verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he had given to all life and breath and all things. Now listen, it's just telling you right there. In other words, God made everyone the same. It just told us right there. He made the heavens and earth. Everybody is the same. Everybody, listen, every one of us is of the same blood. Did you hear me? God made everybody the same blood and determined when they would be born and they... And how they would be born, and where they would be born. Look at verse twenty-seven, twenty-six. And hath made of one blood all nation of men. I tell you we are one. For the, to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation. I know everything about them. I know when you were going to be born. I know where you were going to live. I knew all of that. Verse twenty-seven. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might fill might fill after him and find him though he be not far from some of us every one of us every one of us in other words God made everyone the same blood and de- determined when they would be born and where they would be born so he don't so, so I can't say he live on Forest Mesa he lives on 79. He lives on wherever you live in. He doesn't live in a certain race. A certain ethnicity. None of that. He doesn't live in that. He's no closer than anybody, than any than somebody else. He's a little closer to us than he is to you. You know, like, he loves you too. No. Right here it said he's near to everybody. Everybody. And no matter what time or place or location in which you were born, or, I'm telling you, no matter what kind of birth you had, He was nearby. He was nearby. And he wants everybody, regardless of the time you was born, the place you was born, the color, the class, to all of us. He said, out of everybody, I know when you were born. I determined all of it. I was there. I was close by. But after all of this, all I want everybody to do is seek me. Just seek me. Seek him. He set it up no matter where we are. It won't be hard to find Him. It won't be hard to find Him. Why? Because He doesn't play favorites. See, this is the kind of family we live in. Maybe you came from a family that played favorites and you think God played favorites, but God doesn't play favorites. Look at verse 28. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Church, three simple things under this point. Letter A. We all have the same father. Every one of us have the same father, no matter what your skin tone is. Now watch this. He does not have favorites. And most of you will know, if you grew up in a household with many siblings, or you birthed you birth a household with many siblings, this is a big thing in families. And children started young. They started young, and 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 even though you love them the same, they will started love they will be like, mm-hmm, "Daddy like me more because he's sitting next to me. Oh, Mama like you more because look, she gave you a glass." It's always that's just children, and they, they'll go way into the night. They, well, yeah, I can tell you, you the favorite because this, that, no, Oh no, yeah, oh yeah. Wait, wait. Let me tell you, my grandchildren already started. And they what they six and seven's gonna be six and seven. They already started. They anything I I'll take out something and oh oh Layla got pajamas. You haven't even let me get. But I I, I want to see who's first and who's second. You give them a piece of cake. Yours is bigger than mine because you because they have you have favored you made hers a little bigger you made it. That's just children. That's the way that's the way we do. That's the way they do. It's all, anytime you're going to have children in the house and you have more than one, that's going to be whether you know it or not. It's always who's, who's first and why they like them more. Daddy sitting here with me. Yeah, daddy didn't sit with me. Yeah, mama always sit with you because you're the faith. It's always something. If you, haven't, if you haven't got that, you will. But know that it's not so in the father's house. There is no favorites. There is no favorites. And you already know. Because let me tell you, when you have more than one child, you treat them all according to their own personalities. And it might seem different, but you, te- you treat them according to their personality. But see, when you have one child, you can't really see that because that one child gets all the attention. But when it's more than one in the house, you just treat them because of the way they are. But you love them all the same. You love them all the same, or you should. But God doesn't have favorites. And that's, Do you know that there's arguments in the body of Christ to this day of God having favorites? It's according to what camp you in, God favors that one. It's according to what you have and what you... God really favors them. They have this. They have that. It's according to who you're sitting under. God really favors them. It's in the body of Christ. And God has said, I have no favorites. Economic status in the body of Christ determines if God really favors you. Throughout history, people have... If you don't get that, if you don't understand that, it's because you haven't been in the body of Christ. They've used it to imply that God has favorites. And God said, I've made everybody one blood. I've made every. I don't care what people think and what they're saying. Now watch this. We all have the same father. And guess what? This is the father's house. And we have the same father. So if he doesn't have any favorites, then there's no favorites in his house. There is no favorites in his house. Now, it doesn't matter how people see it. Many people thought Pastor Hill had favorites. Well, I might as well tell you all, you know what, I'm going to go on and fess up right now. and, go on and say, Pastor Hill did have a favorite. And God's probably dealing with him about that right now. And I'm going to reveal to you who his favorite was. And you'll be okay with it. You're looking at it. That was his favorite. Know that. That was his favorite. And God might be dealing with him about it. But all this other stuff, that's all in your head. It's in your head. And the Father, I'm the only favorite he had. And I'm going to tell you, he did favor me. God's probably chopping him up about that thing but right now. But... That If you really want to know. So you'll never have to say, I wonder who's back here. I think this one was back here. I'm just telling you who his favorite is. Was. You have a problem with that, then that's your problem. But he did have a favorite. He was human. He had a favorite. But it was me. And some of you that thought it was you, sorry. You... <laughs> You're a little disappointed now. Darn it was me. No. It was always me. Know that. But God has no favorites in his house. And you know what? It's alright to say God is my father. But just learn to be real careful with that. Make sure that you're not saying it in the sense that God is my father and he's not yours. Just be careful with that. Because he's father of all. He is our Father. That's why when they when remember when the disciples said, Master, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. He said, our Father. He didn't say my Father. He said, our Father which art in heaven. Not my Father because it doesn't belong to just me. If you notice the Lord's Prayer, notice that that whole prayer is plural. None of it is singular. The whole prayer prayer is plural. It It wasn't in the singular tense. See, it wasn't about him making a confession. It was about all of us saying, Father, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth let her be we all have the same blood we all have the same blood listen if you go to Africa you go to Europe you go anywhere and cut yourself everybody is going to have you're not going to go over there in Africa and you cut yourself or you start bleeding and say well I have American blood (laughs) no you'll be alright because everybody has the same blood Everybody has the same blood. No matter what, let me tell you, no matter what your outside color is, no matter what your outside color is of your skin, the inside complexion is the same. It's the same. He's all of our fathers. Now, now, I say that, and then I say this. Now, listen to this. Were we all born in different times? Of course. Were we all have different habitations or places where we live? Of course. Do we all have different experiences? Yes. Do we all all have different exposures, different things we've been exposed to? Do we all have different families? Yes. We may even all have different customs and cultures. But guess what? All of that is superficial. All of that is superficial. The essence of who you are is the same. Even though you have all of those differences. The essence of who you are is the same. Now, you can learn some things from that, those superficial things. I can learn something from your culture you can learn something from mine I can learn something from your differences you can learn something from mine but know that but this is what you have to understand because you can learn different things from different people do not overvalue your experiences and try to devalue someone else's because you can learn you can learn (laughs) we can learn listen we can overvalue the simple fact that we was born at a certain time and make you think you know more than everybody yeah you know I was born back in 1950s yeah we this happened that see, but it's coming from your perspective. You see, we're like I know more because I was born way back in and, and this used to happen and that used to happen. Listen, listen, listen. So you can stop bragging about when you were born. You didn't pick the time you were born. Stop trying to take credit for something that you had nothing to do with. Whenever you were born. Yeah, I remember back in the, the, the day and in the time that I, you know, and I'm saying, I, you know. It was never time that you said, okay, God, I want to be born in the 50s. Okay, I'll take the 50s. Well, I want to be in the 70s. I really want to be in the 50s because I want to tell people how much I know. You had nothing to do with it. Listen. You had nothing to do with the fact that your mama met your daddy. You had nothing to do with the fact that your daddy smiled at your mother and it's just that particular time she liked it. Guess what? If she would have had a headache that night, you would be have another time you were born. You have no control over that. And if you get that in your head, you won't try to devalue someone else and value what where you are. God knows the time. And see, we, we, we get to a place where we think that no generation can teach us something. Every generation can teach you something. Every generation can teach you something. There's no such thing as the greatest generation. No such thing. Because every generation can teach you something. I'm being taught by this generation now. You can learn something from everybody. So all of those differences are just superficial things. And be okay with that. Say, oh yeah, but that's nothing. But the core of it all is we're the same. The core of it, we're the same. Now, listen to me closely on this. Well, you know what? Let us see. We all have the same challenges. Write it down. You know what, and when, when, we, when we're talking about being the same, you know what, you can go to other countries and you'll find out people like to do the same thing you do. They might call it something different, but they do the same thing you do. They cook out just like you. They might call it something different. And you think they're so different. They're not. They're really doing the same thing you're doing. Did you write it down? Let her see. We all have the same challenges. Every one of us. I don't care if you're 14, 4, or 104. We all have the same challenges. Listen, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible also says that there's no temptation but that which is common. Somebody's gone through it. Somebody. We all have the same challenges. The Bible says that in the world you shall have tribulations that's everybody <laughs> you should have tribulations we all are going to go through tribulation or have gone through tri- tribulations and adversities. listen there's not a person in here not one person in here that at some point in their life have not have felt com- uh, perplexed everybody in here have been perplexed at some time or another and the only way that you haven't you might be a little kid but everybody in here have understood and know that you have felt a time of being perplexed. Everyone, when I say perplexed, you have more questions than you have answers. Everybody's been there. Not a person in here, at some point in their life, everyone in here have felt a point of distress. You don't have a market on it. Everybody's had it. When I say distress, more things going on than you think you can handle. Everybody's been there. There's not a person in here that have not felt the wind knocked out of them. I did in September 18. Like the wind, like you're down on the canvas and you don't know if you can get up. Everybody's been there. Everybody in here, one time or another, and if you haven't, you will, have, have been through despair in your life. At some point, if you haven't, you will, there's not a person in here that have not lost someone that they loved at some point, at some time. And, and we all needed to be touched by a holy God, if you haven't, you will. All of us in here are familiar with mourning. Somebody. See, all this is common. Very common. There's. Now, I know that wasn't me. Did I hear something beat? That distracted me. There's not a person in here. that not have had some uncertainties. If not you will. Just uncertainties about what's going on tomorrow. What tomorrow is gonna bring. There haven't been a person in here that have not wanted for mercy and grace. From God, from some situation or some circumstance, God, I need your mercy, your grace. Don't even know if your life could really go on. You know, and your life was going in a wrong direction, and God's mercy and grace stepped in. Everybody has gone through that. Some, everybody in here, and if you haven't, you probably will. Everybody in here have a relationship with someone and it didn't work out. You thought y'all were really close and you didn't. And you had to break it off. You had to leave it alone. And you had to just walk away from it. And you kind of felt devastated. But you had to go on. Everybody in here has gone through something. Some things you have to terminate relationships, cut them off. That I haven't had to drop a tear because maybe someone they prayed for and they thought was this way or that way and they found out something different. And all you could do is cry. I thought it was going to be different. So when you try to nitpick, oh, what your differences are—that's superficial and petty, and it don't mean anything. Don't be petty. Don't be petty. Don't miss the fact that you're just—you're just—we're all just alike. We have the same father. Everybody's going through something. We all need to just try to seek Him. The same blood. We all bleed the same way. We have the same challenges. We all can go through the same thing. When you focus on those things, it's easy to see that you can't be one. See, if you focus on those things that happen, you're not going to be one. You have to make yourself. You have to focus on the fact that I have I may have a darker tan, but I know we're the same. See, that'll keep you out of racism. (laughs) That'll keep you out of prejudices. It'll keep you out of all of that. It'll keep you out of saying, yeah, but you grew up that way and I grew up that way. You was on the other side of the tracks. I was on this. It'll... It'll keep you away from these little things that'll keep you... From these superficial things that'll keep you from becoming one, just finding little piquanty things that you different. I believe this. Whenever I find a person that say they can't relate, the only reason why you can't relate, you won't try. Any person that you can't relate to, is because you don't you you don't you don't want to put forth the effort to. Like uh uh-uh. uh. But if you put forth the effort, you can relate to anybody. Why? Because we're all the same. You'll be able to relate. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. A few pages back. And note this for you number two. I must accept that we are to be together. We got to accept we have to be together. I have to settle this. In my mind, that not only are we the same, but we have to be together. See, you can accept that we're all the same. That doesn't mean that you want to be together with them, though. Like, yeah, we're the same, but, yeah, they stay on their side, I stay on mine. Yeah, Pastor, yeah, we all the same, but, you know, I'm going on with my own folk. No. Settle it in your heart that we are to be together. In Acts chapter 41, the early church. Now, Acts, are you there? Chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly uh, received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, this is the early church. Now, now get this. These 3,000 people the day before didn't know each other. 3,000. The day before, they didn't know each other. But they all got together and heard a message and were added to the church. Now, watch this in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Now, two days ago, they had nothing in common. Just two days ago. But now they have all things common. Look at verse 45. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one another in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. See, I like that. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all men. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now watch this. Everybody that the Lord added, they fell right into the fellowship. They fell right into the fellowship. Now I want you to note this thing. We ought to be together letter A in worship. Let's start there. We need to be together in worship. You know the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Not the praise of a person. But the praises of of his people, God wants us to be together in worship. That means if you can't get get here, d- listen. If you can get here, you ought to be here. Those of you that are streaming that should be here, you should be here. See, we need to be right, one in worship, and not on the internet. He wants us to be together in worship, which means, watch this, worship has to be inclusive. It has to be. That's why you can't stay at home. So I have to accept that other people can, see, I have to accept that other people can help me. They can help me come into worship. And I can help other people into worship. And even though we may not all worship the same way, we can all worship together. See, everything in a service may not minister to you. You know, may not be the same. But we must worship together. So if maybe a song and part of the service you don't like, you don't come late to miss it. Because you gotta worship. You don't say, oh well. They, by the time I get through, they ought to be through with that. No, we still have to worship. Well, I'm not a praise and worship person. I'm just here to just hear Pastor teach, and I want to, you know, all I he, I'm here. I'm this word, I, you know. I, I'm, you know, I. Why, what time do they take up offering? Because I want to miss that. No, we worship together. We worship together. All of us coming together. Hmm. And we're not only to be together in worship, let her be, we need to be together in works. Not in just you tell me what to do and I do it. Let me just do this. I don't want to be bothered with anyone else, you know, you know, I, I, I just want to do this work. No, we'll work together. Let her C. We have to be together in fellowship. Now church, fellowship just doesn't happen just here. Not just here. Now, you should fellowship after church. When service ends, you should not fellow you you should not just run up out of here, run out the door. That's not right. That's not right. You need to fellowship. We should be together in fellowship. So when you have your little fellowship and it's just your little few group, it's just our little, you know, eight or nine people or five or six people, that's not fellowshipping in the church. I know you call it fellowshipping, but that's not fellowshipping in the church. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have people that you fellowship with, but you can't think that you're pleasing God because you're together with five or six people. And the same people. Nobody else. Nobody else come with this thing. It's just us. And let's not talk about it too loud because I don't want nobody to know what we're doing because it's just us. That's not what God intended for fellowship. Pastor, do you think we ought to do more activities in the church? We ought to do more activities in your home. That should be a continual fellowship and communication and love that flows between one another. Did you hear me? It needs to flow between one another. As a member here, your phone should be stacked with everybody's phone number in their emails. <laughs> should be stuffed. Why we just communicate with one another. That's fellowshipping. See, we want a singles fellowship, a marriage fellowship, a men's fellowship, and, you know, a seniors, you know, the older people's fellowship, you know, the married folks get there, the unmarried folks, and all that. vice versa. We want all of those. Children can fellowship. But you know what true fellowship is? We can all fellowship with anyone. People with children fellowshiping with people with no children. Now, I don't know how much that's going to work. Oh, Lord, take them bad children. But no, that's the way it should be. They'd be like, oh, Lord, now, now you're not coming with the, with the ant bed. Oh, Lord. But but, but 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 truly, that's what it should be. The older should invite some younger ones over. fellowship. Younger ones should invite the older ones over. Married people should to unmarried people. Now let me let me straighten that out because then we get done. We we will we will go there. I'm not talking trying to, you married and you hanging out with some young single person. No, that's not what that's not fellowship. Now you're trying to you you're trying to play. Now you're being stupid. But fellowship is different. You can have a single person over because you're fellowshipping around the world. I'm not talking about you hanging out and you need to be at home with your husband or you need to be at home with your wife and you going with the boys. Uh-uh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fellowship. This is all for the young folk. We don't want the old. No, the older ones need to be in the mix. We can all learn something from each other. So you have to mix it up. That's how you become one big, just one big good family. Just one big good family. That's what God is looking for. Letter D. We ought to be together in our necessities. That's why it said that they departed to every man as they had need. They were together in need. See, don't be in fellowship with a person until you find out they have a need you be like oh Lord oh well <laughs> amen sorry amen you know what I'm, I'm going to pray for you <laughs> and you're trying to escape no last scripture go to Ephesians chapter 6 You don't fellowship with somebody until you find out that they have a need. I just just found a really good friend. And matter of fact, she's from Africa. And uh, we've just been bonding a lot and and uh, ministering. She's a Christian and everything. And, you know, she's always talking about her deals at home. She's full of the Holy Ghost. and and we're talking and I've been ministering to her and stuff and and, and, and then the closer I got with her and we began to talk and and stuff and I found out you know some some great needs she didn't tell me but you know if you talk to people long enough you'll find out after you spend time with them and everything and you find out you know that that they have needs and this that the other and everything and and she called her mother and and what is it, Zimbabwe or something? I talked to her mother on the phone and and everything. And then it just just I just come to find out. Uh, uh, Christian love the Lord, but over here in the country and just 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 me. And I get got to minister to her. Now when I found out now when I first met her and stuff like that, I did not know anything. She never told me anything, nothing. We just talked, laughed, and this, that and the other, and I ministering the word to her and she was like, Oh my god, this, that and the other and, and we just talking and then when I found out the needs that she had and everything. I wasn't about to just run away and say, "Oh Lord, I should have known something." So, and let me tell you, she didn't seek me out, and she know and she knew nothing about me. She knows me now, but she knew nothing about me. We have a flourishing relationship. Now she doesn't live here in the city, or she'd be here. Because I told her, you know what? <laughs> you can't go back to Uganda. Your church was in Uganda. You gotta you gotta set up here. But you don't run away because a person have a need. And you know what? She's, a, she's in the body of Christ. See, we are the same. We are the same. And so something came up, and I'm not saying this to brag on myself. None, I'm trying to be a blessing. And something came up, and so I helped her with a need. And she said, How could you help me like that? You don't know me that well to help me like that. I said, But, but we're in the same body. And she said, Yeah, but this is, this is, this is, this is is too much. And I said, no. I said, this is what it's all about. See, you and you, again, I'm no fool. I know when people just want to use you. And again, she never came to me for anything. I stepped in because God told me to. And then when I talked to her, uh, her mother and she said I, I told her I said now whatever I do I said that's between me and you I said nobody needs to toot no horn nothing you don't have to she said oh no oh no I must tell my mother this and I must tell them back I must tell them I can't keep this because God is God has just bestowed a blessing upon me. I cannot keep that I said well okay if, it, if you have to with your with your family that's fine. I said, but you don't have to tell anybody anything that, that's going. I said that's just between me, you and God. See you don't run away because and, and let me tell you, you have to you have to have a gift of discernment as well. Because you just don't do that to anybody. You just don't just, because just I've, I've met a lot of people. I, I like when they were talking about uh, 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 in the new gen deal. Let me tell you, I think I have about 100, maybe 100 or 75 friends, but you ought to see how many people have requested my friend. I have about seven or 800 people requested my friendship. I don't, I don't bring anybody in. I'm like, wherever well, way you heard about me, keep hearing that way because I don't know you. So even though I have 700 requests to be friends, I only have about 65 or 70 friends. And most of them are from Church of the Living Water. And some people that I know in San Antonio or whatever, just friends. But you, you I mean, you, you can have a lot of friends, but you have to have discernment. I'm no fool, but I do know how to hear the voice of God. And when God moves, that's when you move. That's when you move. And let me tell you, and, and I had her ear before that, but now I have a mother's ear in Uganda. And her mother's, and her mother said, I can't speak much English or anything, but thank God for you. My daughter keeps telling me all about you, da, 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 and everything. And we just talked about other things and everything. But what I'm trying to say is, we're all of the same blood. These are Christians that I'm talking about. Did I say that we all need to be together in our necessities? Ephesians 4. Listen, I must accept in my heart that we're all the same. Look at your neighbor and say we're all the same. Look at your neighbor and say we all have to be together. Look at him and say we're all supposed to be together. So don't come to church saying that you you just come in to hear the word. And the last one, number three. I must accept in my heart that we need each other. We need each other. I must accept in my heart that I am needed and I need others. I must accept in my heart I am needed and I needed others. You know, sometimes we can accept the second part more easily than the first part. I'm needed and I need others. I have to accept that not in my head, in my heart. You know, it's false pride when you think you don't need help. We need each other. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. This is Paul here explaining the attitude of the church. Verse 1. Therefore the prisoner of the Lord... Uh, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the faith in the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Where am I? There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called to one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, One baptism. One God and Father of some, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now listen. last Letter A. I must accept that I will have a job to do. We all have a job to do. See, we need each other, but we have to accept, I have a job to do. Now I want you to listen to this closely. This is the the last one. I'm ending with this. We all have a work to do and a job to do. You can't deny other people an opportunity to work. Get that. You cannot deny other people the opportunity to work. I cannot devalue what another person's share is. Like what I'm doing is more important than you. Now, don't over-evaluate your own self-worth. Because we all have a job to do. Don't act like what you're doing is more important than anybody. See, accept that right now. See, when we realize that we're all the same and we all are to be together, you start looking at people's strengths. You look at the strengths in people opposed to looking at their weaknesses. Stop looking at their weaknesses. When you start looking at people's weaknesses, you start looking at the, uh, looking for different reasons why they can't do what they can't do. Well, now you can't do that anymore, well no, know. If you look at people's strength, then you, you, know, you find ways. Where, see, if, if I'm looking at you and I'm seeing your strength, not looking at your weaknesses, I can find ways to use your gifts and your talent, because I see your strength. And your ability to be used. But if you look at people's weaknesses, you'll find every reason why they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't do that anymore. Now, listen to this. And I want all of the heads of the, of the different uh, ministries here in this church. This is, how, this is what I want. Now, it is true in this church... Before you do anything, we already know you must go through new members class, able ministers of the new covenant class. But that doesn't mean that people can't be useful. Listen to me. Listen to me. We all know, I'm going to say it again. We all know in this church, you cannot work in any ministry until you complete new members. Enable minister of the covenant class. But it does not mean that you can't be useful. See, when I understand the value of a person, this is what I tell them. You know what? While you're going through new members' class, and you enable ministers of a new covenant class, and maybe they come up and ask you about something that you're in, and they're like, I have an interest in that. Now you can tell them this. I see you have an interest in that. Why don't you come to our meetings and sit? You don't talk. You don't, you don't, you're not putting in. But why don't you sit and just see how we do things? And if you have any ideas, you can come and tell me. You don't blur them out. You don't do nothing. You're in and you're, you 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 because you're still in AMC. You're still in new members. But if you have an interest, why don't you just come and just see? You know, our meeting is that, See, so you'll see how serious people are our meeting is on so and so day at this time and why don't you just come and just sit you'll see how things are done that way when you get out of new members class and stuff you'll know just how it flows then you, after they've come consistently while they're going through then you can watch them and then you'll say you know what I know exactly where they need to be once they get out because I've watched them see that's when you know when a person's serious, a plain or just want to be seen or just talking a good talk Instead of just, are they up? Are they doing something? Oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't. Well, well, first of all, maybe they're learning. Maybe they're they're learning. And then you know where to put it. If a person, if they're not through with that, they're not in charge of anything. They're not doing it. They're answering to you because you've invited them in. And say, you know what, just come and sit and and just observe. I think that's a good idea. See, because we're going to need everybody in place. Letter B, I have to accept that we are connected. We are connected. In verse 16 of, of Ephesians 4, it says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making making it... Increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We are connected, church. Whether we realize it or not, we are connected. Let us see. I must accept that I must work effectively. This is the only way that there's going to be increase in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, so clearly, I mean, it's so clear. See at the beginning of Ephesians and around the 11th and 12th chapter, it's and, and the 11th, 12th, verse 16. It's letting us know that this is the way that we get to where we need to be. I like verse 15. But speak the truth in love. Now listen, listen to me. I'm going to give. Now, it's all of us need to work effectively. We all have a job. Everybody in here have a job. When I talk about working effectively, everybody in here has a job. And listen, you have to do your job. If everybody in here does their job, do you know we would be successful? If everybody did their job. I don't care how talented you are, how fast you are, just do your job. I don't care. I don't, you know what? I don't want to hear all of the stuff that you're doing like you do. Just do your job. That's all you have to do. Just do your job. But I'm going to help us out. This truly is the last thing. But I I had to get to this. It truly is. And you'll be okay. I'm going to give everybody their job. This morning. And then you'll know. And it's right out of Ephesians 4. Starting with me. My job. My job is. Wait, Where am I? My job is to teach the truth in love so that you would grow. And it's right here in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him into all things which is the head, even Christ. That's my job. Everybody say, that's pastor's job. My job, I'm giving everybody their assignment, everybody's job. My job is to speak the truth. In love, so that you can grow. Everybody got that? I got to teach it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to do my job. I'm going to teach the truth to you in love, so that you can grow up in Him, in all things Christ. That's my job. Now, God has a job. God's job is to change the hearts and the lives of people. That's God's job. That's not my job. I can't change anybody's heart. I can't change anybody's life. All I can do is my job. Minister to you the truth and love so that you'll grow. God's job is changing the life and the hearts of people. Again, my job, preach the truth and love, That you grow. Are you with me? God alone changes the heart and life of his children. Why? Because you're his children, not mine. Now, if if I think that it's my job to change the heart and to change your life, I'm going to mess up. Why? Because I'm not doing my job. I'm doing God's job. If I'm going in trying to do, mm -mm, that job doesn't belong to me. So I'm not going to try to change your heart or change your life. How many of you know God changes your heart? No man changes your heart. God changes your heart and your life. You know why? Because God does His job. He's always on His job. So again, my job is to teach the Word so that you'll grow. God's job is to do what? To change the hearts and the lives of people. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. We already know God does His to the, the, the. He's the best. He's the only one that can. Your job. Now see, I'm going to need you to go back and read all of Ephesians. You'll find it right in there. Your job is to love one another so that the body can be edified and encouraged. That's your job. That's the only job you have. Your job is to love one another so that the body can be edified and encouraged. Now, that's an easy job. You're like, well, that ain't so easy. Some people are hard to love, but that's still your job. There's a lot of things on your regular job that you don't like to do, but you have to do it, right? Minister Martin have to go back in uh, Monday. It's it, it probably something he don't like to do, but that's his job. So it ain't about what you like that your job is to love and encourage. It's not your job to try to change people's hearts. Women, stop trying to change men. It ain't gonna work. You just wasting your time. You wasting time. You not. You just gonna spend years and years trying to make a man something he's not. God is the only one that can change him. And you keep running your mouth and trying to change him and trying to make him be a man and trying to. It won't work. That's not your job. Your job is to love and encourage. Hmm. When you start trying to do God's job, listen to me. You're going to say something that you ought not say. You're going to do something that you ought not do. You're going to conduct yourself in the wrong way because it's not your job. You're going to get an attitude toward somebody when you shouldn't because you're trying to do something that's not your job. Let me tell you, when you're trying to do something that's not your job, guess what? okay let's not even talk about what God the heart let's say you just try to do my job I'm going to teach them so they can grow in Christ you start thinking that's your job as pastor now I'm going to be their preacher let me tell you you can teach it all you want to it, they won't receive it You know why? It's not your job. It's not your job. They're going to reject it. And you're going to get an attitude because they rejected it. But it's not your job. Everybody do your job. And it's going to change our lives. Um, Listen, I'm going to teach the truth to you in love. Even if it don't feel like love, it's in love. It might not feel like love. God's going to change hearts and lives. Let me tell you something. Where the pastor is teaching the truth in love, listen to me. Where the members are just, just showing love and encouraging one another, and God is changing life, we will become a championship church. Because everybody would be doing their job. Nobody's trying to do nobody else's job. Everybody's just doing their job. But if you start thinking that you have jobs that God never called you to, there will not be any increase in the body. The increase comes when you do your job. So, this I do end with. Let God do, do His job didn't change lives. Don't worry about me. I'm going to preach the hell out of you. Don't, don't worry about that. I got you. I'm going to make sure I preach the hell out of you. That's my job. That's my job. And you have yours. You just love and encourage. Just love and encourage. If everybody do that, Championship church on the rise, in place, increase made daily. God started adding, and everything. Goes. And see, that's the thing when God started adding, we kind of start forgetting, we thinking we're doing it on our own, but no, it's because you're following what He said, Do. God is a good God, stand to your feet.